Hey, Father. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. What story are we doing this week? (gasps) Amazing. Okay, I'll let them know. Call back later. (gasps) You guys, this week, we are talking all about Saul versus David. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And of course, the Spanish vixen, La Clara, is behind the wheel. Hey, how are you? Are you excited to be here? I am. Okay, good. I am. I was like, are you, are, do you, what? Are we okay? <laughs> I was laughing at the Spanish vixen. Ah, okay, she's a Spanish vixen, guys. Just look at her. I mean, I've like, no, I was going to say I've never had a, like I had Weezy here for several weeks, who's also very sexy. Uh, the Spanish vixen is so beautiful and appreciated that if you're watching the YouTube channel, Clara, cut to you. I got my baby girl some flowers to let you know how much you are valued and appreciated. I've seen you spend hours making sure that this setup is perfect. And if you see me work at home, like I spend hours making sure that the script is perfect and like it feels really good to have that same kind of effort and heart involved. And like the flowers is the smallest thing I could give you as a token of my appreciation. I love you. I love them. And honestly, I love flowers. So any day is a good day for flowers. But today, especially, I dedicated the whole day to like cleaning the house, like just, you know, feeling una maruja pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So it felt like really, really good. It literally made my day today. My little Cinderella. I got you. (laughs) And like the times that we spent, like after we record, we go out for drinks and Mm -hmm. stuff. You like... You're basically my friend, my only friend. <laughs> I feel so pathetic. But like, I don't hang out with people like other than my family, really. You know me, I'm super introverted. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I see our friendship blossoming, blossoming, <laughs> blossoming mm-hmm. and it feels really good. I know. I love it. Um, well, you are not the only one to receive today mm-hmm. because at the studio, guys, uh, one of you lovely listeners sent a package my way and I'm about to unbox it here on camera. I mean, LOL, just kidding, you guys. I feel like a YouTuber. Uh, PR (laughs) unboxing. (laughs) Um, I already opened it because I couldn't wait. Uh, Someone of you, his name is James, one of the Bible stories, like, biggest supporter he's been supporting since super trip talk he's incredible i'm that was not a fart wow (laughs) because i burped a couple weeks ago they think wow this girl is trash um this bible stories listener i don't know if we can like see got me a bougie gold dripped oh here gold dripped uh Bible, leather, leather, legit 100% leather, and got my name in gold at the bottom. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's so sweet. Like, I, I'm, I'm floored. And I'm, this is like, it's so touching. <laughs> like, I'm trying my hardest not to cry right now. Um, this means so much. Uh, I don't know. If, if you were sitting in our conversations at the beginning of, like, Bible Stories production, I didn't really ask for a lot, but the one thing I did ask for was like a genuine leather um, Bible and it means a lot. Um, Just what we're going to have it in the studio. Thank you so much. Anyways, what's the next segment? (laughs) I don't want to cry. Thank you so much, James. You are so sweet. And um, this is so appreciated. (laughs) Thank you. Anyways, let's get to listener questions. (laughs) Um, Okay. Wait, are you crying? No, I'm not. Stop talking about it, Clara. <laughs> I tried to brush over it, okay? Um, I'm super emotional, and I don't want to be. Um, no, seriously, thank you. Thank you, Bible Stories listeners, for all the messages that I get, and I don't, maybe I don't respond to. I promise I will eventually. It just takes me a minute. Um, because much like this week's listener question, I saw it in my DM box, and I hadn't gotten to it, and I was like, oh, God, let me get to it. Um, but also I'm very unqualified to answer a lot of these questions, but I think that could be fun. Like, I think people just want to know your opinion as Brianda. Like, that's it. You don't need to be psychologist. You don't need to be a theologist. It's just your opinion. I I know, but do you want to hear my, like, it's not going to be cute sometimes. (laughs) Someone DM'd me about cheating on her husband and I was like, honey, you are a whore, a filthy whore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. But I did pray for her. 
Um, no, this question, let me get to it. Uh, uh, this is a DM that I didn't want, I, I didn't get to, but I, I wanted to. I'm answering you now. Taylor, Taylor at Taylor, do you wanna? Thank you for listening to Bible Stories. That's so dope. Um, uh, you, you say in a DM here, hey, Brianna, I love, 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 love your podcast. I listen to them literally all the time, but I do have a question. Could you talk about soul ties? How do they work and how do they come about? This was a question where I was like, oh my gosh, I have no authority to speak on this. But um, soul tie relationships, I, from that, understand it's like a like a, like a soulmate. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be romantic at all. Like you can have soul ties within friends, teachers, whatever have you. Mm-hmm. How do they come about? What, like, I, I, okay, can I be honest with you? I don't believe in soulmates. Yeah, really? I don't know. Um, let's see. Soul tie. Yeah. Can you talk about soul ties? How they work? So it's hard for me to even talk about how they work when I have such a. It's probably about like you talking about God. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was going to say. Clara, <laughs> like I just don't believe in them, so I I am having difficulty answering it. But I will say that there are connections, very strong, intense connections that I make with people, especially like believers, fellow believers. There's like a language that we speak, like a TikTok language. Like um, the, there was, hi Tangie, there was this other day that Wheezy was asking me, she was like, oh, do you know that that Doja Cat thing that they do on TikTok? You know that? You know? I don't know. Any, okay, people on TikTok know what I'm talking about. And it's been going on for so long that it's just a thing, you know? Uh, well, Weezy asked me like months late about this and it was like, she just didn't understand TikTok language. Mm. That's kind of how I feel about when I have talk- conversations with other Christians. There's just like mm. a language that we understand and that connection is something that does not compare. But I make great connections with people that are non-believers too, sometimes more than some of my Christian friends. I mean, you. I'm glad you do. <laughs> no, I made such a strong connection with you. Wait like, there, yeah. it's like this, you know, when you know you've met someone where like, oh, our souls are, are mm. parallel right now mm-hmm. is when they say and do things that are so like <gasps> jarring, but you don't judge them. Mm. Like you don't, I mean, I try to do that period in, in general, but it's a lot easier to do when you're falling in love with someone when mm-hmm. you're like, and by falling in love, remove the romantic, yeah. whatever shit. But like, it's easier to do when you really have, when you understand someone and you love them like, like a, like a family, mm-hmm. you know? So how do they come about from understanding and connection? And sometimes I think that that cannot be, um, you can't, that sometimes it, it's not learned sometimes. Sometimes it just happens. And I think people call that soulmates when it's effortless. But the reason why I don't believe in soulmates is because if you put me in a room with anyone long enough, I'm going to fall in love with them. <laughs> like if you get me, if you get me drunk, if you get me, no, I'm kidding. But if you leave me, if I get to learn something about someone, I'm going to find, I'm going to find something again, that may be the blind optimist in me. How do you feel, Clara, about it? I feel, and like myself from two years ago would like slap me in the face talking like that. But I feel that you believe that because you haven't yet met your soulmate. I did not believe in soulmates Why before. Why do I feel personally attacked? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I did not believe in soulmates before. And that's going to sound like super cocky and super like, I'm telling you, like even I want to vomit when I hear that. But I feel that I found my soulmate with my current partner yeah and um i did not believe at all in like when did you know that um it was like not instantly like oh you just see them and oh yeah that's him okay it wasn't like that but it was at the very very early like early days everything is just like i don't know you just want to be here oh god i want to be there so bad it feels like it feels like, oh, this is going to sound so pathetic. I don't want anyone to pity me. I'm fine. I'm very happy in my life. I have God. I have Jesus. I have my family. We're good. <sighs> I haven't seen a dick up close in so long. Um, wow. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, hi, Tangie. What I meant to say was it feels like there's a part of my life that I'm missing out on and everyone else is advancing at such a faster rate. And it makes me feel like inadequate a little bit. Like, oh, what's wrong with me? There's someone else in the room, Yomi. I'm so sorry. We have Yomi here who's an employee. Yes, you're employed by WTF Media Studios. She's in the room watching. I don't want to, I'm sorry, I didn't introduce you. Um, But yeah, I just feel like inadequate. And I'm not, this isn't therapy, but I'm just, it is what it is. Like, I can't wait to find. You know, I always tell you, it's not your time yet. 
you're doing big things. <laughs> you're attacking me. No, 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 no. It's a positive thing. You're doing big things here that require all your time, energy, yeah. and attention. If you met someone today, you wouldn't be. A, you would have to choose. Yeah. And that's you're not at the time where you can choose between one or another. Now you know you're saying this because you know me now. You know me. I do believe that there that you can do both. Um. I believe that there's a space for both. And I've heard too many stories of people finding one another in times that are in their rudimentary starter stages and whatever, and they grow together. They, you, if you meet someone who is effed up enough to put up with your ish or like the right level of codependency, mm. it sounds really crappy to say now, but if you meet someone that blends with your ish, if both of your ishes complement one another. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Busy, busy for sure. Like, oh, I'm like wheezy. No, busy, busy. Like, Brie and wheezy together. <laughs> That's another podcast. No, like um, my boyfriend's probably one of the busiest people that I've ever met. And I have never felt a lack of attention since the day that I met him. Wow. And we've been together for like almost two years now. So, and it's, it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. But I think that you are building something that requires so much attention right now that if maybe you could meet someone and do both things but then what you're building here would wouldn't be as great something and i know myself my my neuroses and i i think that this is going to be the thing that sets me apart from everyone i also think it's a thing that will probably prolong my like dream of being a mother i just want to be a mother one day so soon like you I don't need a boyfriend to be a mother i mean you do it because you're christian sorry, sorry. i'm christian Jesus, um, help, let's all get in a prayer circle and pray for her unbelief, okay? Um, no, I, I don't, but I don't want that. Like, I know that I would only want to raise a child with a partner who loves it equally. Left to my own devices, I don't think it could do it. I, oh my gosh, speaking of soul ties, you gotta be really in love with somebody to put up with their ish, to put up with things that are ugly. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm there yet. I'm still in therapy. I still, you know, I'm still working on stuff because that's when you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got a story. Oh, okay, guys. This is a story about me watching one of my favorite podcasts. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I listen to like three or four pods. One of them being uh, the Take Your Shoes Off podcast hosted and created by a comedian, actor, podcaster, Rick Glassman. He is phenomenal. He is different. He is he is innovative, dynamic, smart. He's an editor. So I can understand from an editor's standpoint, like I can see the amount of uh, energy that he puts into every single, just listen to his podcast, Tyso. Take your shoes off. You'll see in the first 10 minutes what I'm talking about. But last, uh, the last couple of weeks, I he had an episode with Dax Shepard and they were talking about a trip that, Rick took with his girlfriend. It was one of their first trips that they had taken and they were in Italy together. And he says that his girl, while they're walking about in Rome, Italy, mm. a Roman grabs his girl's butt pussy area. What? Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. And she tells him this. She says, oh, she's... British, she's like, oh, this man just like grabbed my my pussy. Oh or my whatever. god, I yeah. cannot believe your British accent. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, um, no, it's it pretty good actually. Oh, thank you. Oh my god. Um, well, he tells her this, and um, he goes. He he also is on the spec. He's open about this. He has autism. He has Asperger's, I believe, and he just happens to be very logical and very non-confrontational. And pin in this i would i actually think he's so cute like i'm very attracted to innovators i'm attracted to intelligence like even knowing that he has a girlfriend there's just i'm still attracted to him i'm not a, like i don't want to sleep with a man i don't no, know when no. i'll ever meet him but okay. there's an attraction that mm -hmm. happens when you when you find a podcaster that you listen to every week you end up having a relationship with them like oh i know i go to them every wednesday morning it feels like they're your friend that's how i feel about him there was like this attraction mm -hmm. when he's telling this story like a balloon deflating, I can see my attraction go from 10 to two real quick. Because once his girlfriend in Rome tells him that this random man grabbed her butt and pussy, she says, she points him, she goes, oh, he's all the way over there. He was like 20 feet away or like 30 feet. He doesn't do anything. He asks her, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Just forget about it. He's fine. 
when he said that, I was so unattracted. And in my head, I, I said, Amazing. it would take a soulmate for me to think that that's okay. Because I literally, and even Dax Shepard in the room was like, dude, I would have gotten pleasure out of beating the shit out of that man. I would have ran. I mean, how big was the man? What happened? How big was the man oh, to start with? Rick, and they talk about that. Okay. Dax asks him like, okay, was this like The Rock Johnson? Like <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And he was like, no, he was like, probably could have been shorter than me. And I went, oh my God, I went from a two to a negative five. I literally was just like, you are, so, I'm so unattracted to you. It would take me literally having to be in love with you in order for me to even continue the relationship. I thought about her and I was like, wow, that bitch must love you. Cause I, there's nothing more unattractive to me than not feeling safe and protected. I think I've told you this before. Mm. And- 100% yeah. Ooh, I heard that story and I said, I it would need to meet my soul. I would need to meet someone that I love strongly to still be attracted to him. I wouldn't want to have sex with that man. That's that interesting. Really I don't like, like, I don't know how I feel about that because clearly I want my man to protect me. Well, I want to feel protected. Um, but at the same time, I hate a fight and I hate men that fight. Like it's something that makes me not like you. So in a situation like that, I don't want you to cause a fight, but I know that if you say something, a fight's going to happen. And if you don't say anything, then you're okay with him just grabbing me? Am I problematic? I don't know. I feel like that's... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm into that. I, I don't... And again, I think that this isn't the best quality. I think that I should be on your end. Like, no, no confrontation. No, no, no. But in my head, I'm like, uh, uh. For example, high tangy off the high tangy. I went out with Wheezy this past Saturday night. Mm -hmm. We were walking to her apartment and some wise guy, like financial dude, bro, uh, like was being disrespectful to me. Wow. And Wheezy is super alpha. Wheezy is such a protector, especially of me. She's like a big sister. Like she goes up to him, literally cusses him out to his face, about to fucking knock him out. And I was so attracted to her in that moment. I was just like, oh. and again, guys, not in a romantic way, but like just in like a, oh my gosh, she cares about me. She like would like, she would like fight someone for me. I don't know. I feel like that's something that I'm super into. You guys, that would be a can of Truly's opening in case you hear it. Just open it. Just open it. Um, Sorry, but anywho, again. so in my, this past week, I've been thinking about the things that I would require and not saying that I want someone that's brolic or whatever. Someone that's like constantly mm. fight. I don't want that. I've had that. That's not fun either. Mm. Someone who like picks fights at bars. I don't want that either. Because to me, that falls into protecting me. Like, if you're going to cause a situation that puts me in danger because I'm around there, you're like that. You're just feeding your ego right now and you're not thinking about me who you should be like taking care of or protecting. So... Of course. There's just a middle ground. Like what Rick Glassman did and I hope to be on Rick's show one day. <laughs> Rick, if you're listening to this, I love you. Not attracted to you at all. Um, he, like, if in that circumstance, you're pussy. Like, I, you, I literally thought he was really sexy based off intelligence and wit alone. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, I'm still probably going to listen to the show because I think he's, I like the conversations that he conjures up in people. You like him for but other reasons. But the attraction, it's kind of like when you have a, a crush on someone at work. And then you see something that's like, and you're like, oh, not, oh, you are MAGA? No, thank you. <laughs> I did not know that. You know what I mean? So, okay. um, Honey Taylor, I'm sorry. I don't know if I answered your question. I bet you I didn't. We should have a segment that's like, uh, listener questions where we read your questions out loud, but do not answer it. <laughs> but answer something completely different. <laughs> you did answer, though. You did say that you don't really believe in it. So Yeah, I don't believe in soulmates. I don't. I, anyone could be my soulmate. Just be over six feet and make <laughs> over six figures. Please, I hope. But it's fine. I'm going to make no, over six figures. No. What do you want me to do? No, no. Okay, if they're short, they definitely have to make over six figures. <laughs> What do you want me to do? You want me to lie? Clara, no, what? You want me to lie? I want you to change the way you think. You can't be thinking like that. You want me to change me? You can be thinking like that. I already said I would date someone ugly. But if he makes over six figures, can I? Okay, wait, hold on. But what did I say? I like protection. I like security. How are you going to provide me protection and security True. if we're living in New York and you're not making at least six figures? 
But but here's the thing. Yo soy un culo cagao que ni hago eso yo misma. So I just, if you guys that aren't Spanish speakers, I said, I'm like a POS. I'm not even making that. So I, but I require that of myself. So like, okay, fair I, I would need to be up there with you. That's not like something that I, I want you to take care of me. No, I'd be okay. down with taking okay, care okay. of us. You saved it now. Saved yeah, it. I'd be down I with like a stay-at-home dad. There's too many girls that think dad. like that. I don't know if it's an American thing or what, but I hate the, the, this mentality where like, oh, let me just be a princess, not do anything. And you have to make that much money. You have to spend that much money. You have to like... Where is the appreciate appreciation oh, no. for the person itself? Like I wasn't even I hate raised that like that. My mom was the breadwinner in my family. My mom was dropping cards mm. when we were little, and your parents had to sign like your permission slips as parents. I would literally go to my dad and be like, "Daddy, where's mom so she can sign my permission slip?" My dad would be like, "Maybe I can sign it," and I'd be like, "No, mom should do it." Like my mom was the one. So like I don't even compute that. Okay. I'm down with. A woman being a super omega alpha. I know you are. Them. You're always about like the the independent woman, and yeah. you're all about that. That's why I'm, I'm like, not lying. Mm. why I want? Yeah, and I don't want to budge on that. For example, if I meet a guy who's not making that yet, but I believe that he okay, will, I feel okay. I got I'll you hang there. by. I'll, I'm gonna stick beside yeah. him. Yeah. That's my man, and I'm gonna stick beside him. TikTok, TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, anywho, so. Yo, slip in my DMs. There was this guy from the UK that was like literally the first guy. Wow, hi, Tangie. Uh, um, we're getting to the story, I promise. He slipped in my DMs. He was the first guy to ever slip in my DMs and ask, like, he was like, if you want a boyfriend in the UK, I'm here. I wow. didn't entertain it, but I thought it was cool. I'm probably going to be single forever. No. We should do a show, a dating show, uh, The Bachelorette for me. Put it on the Patreon. Let's Tw do it. Oh my God. I'm and, all in for this. Well, I've already talked to Weezy and Alex about it. We've actually talked about this on a previous episode of Bible stories and people were into it. Like to have- Let's do it. To, oh my gosh. To have uh, like Bible stories listeners or people you know. So listen, sisters and brothers in Christ, if you got a cousin who know a friend who know a friend who goes to church, who's like cute. Okay, that'd be cute. Um, or just a great heart. I would love that. Have them apply for the application. It would be like a one minute introduction video. Do you like that idea, Yomi? Oh my God, I love that idea. Oh, we, he already, um, Alex already knows about it. And then we have you, me, Alex, or Wheezy, like, or maybe they're so busy, we could just be us two. Or you, if you and me, if you want to be involved, we have them send it to a certain email, biblestories at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. They send their submissions. We feather through them. Or you guys feather through. I shouldn't even be involved. You shouldn't even see them until I shouldn't the even day. See, yes. Oh my God, let's, I love these. Let's yes. do it. And wait, that should be like our splash into the Patreon. We have other content ideas for we the do, Patreon. Yeah. On. But that would that would be like a, we could do like a three week or a like four a three, week thing, yeah. and I'd be lying if I said I thought of this idea. The H three H three podcast, Ethan Klein um, and Ela Klein, they thought about this idea. I saw them do it, and I was like, they did it for like their engineer, and it was hilarious. No. It was hilarious. Actually, one of them ended up dating the girl. They're still dating. I think they're engaged <laughs> now. Oh my god, let's do it. Dude, Can you imagine that you find your like soulmate through the Bible-ish, like doing a show of the Bible? I think I could. They would know me already. They know what I do. I don't have to like, you know, you know, I always try and hide you always the, my funny. Yeah, I don't like I, showing funniness. I don't like being funny on dates. It makes me feel ugly. Don't ask. It's a thing. I know it's not right, but it's just my brain. <laughs> but if someone's already a fan of the show, they know my ish. That you are funny. It's not ish. It's like, it, to me, it's a bonus, but whatever. <laughs> Okay, Claire, you're from Europe. What do you know? Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. If you are European, though, great bonus. Multilingual, into it, okay? Our little babies will speak Spanish, French, German, whatever. Anyways, let's get into the story. <laughs> okay, guys. So this week, it's going to be all about the battle between Saul and David. To be specific, because you guys know that I like giving you guys exact chapters, we're going to be discussing chapters... 22, 21-ish, you guys know I like-ish, um, to the end of 1 Samuel. So till 21 till 31. We got 10 chapters, and I'm going to try my best to give you guys a funny, entertaining summation of what goes on, because it's a hoot. So where we left off in the story is Saul knows that he is under fire with God. God has confirmed this to Samuel. God has confirmed this 
to Saul himself that God is going to remove him from the kingdom eventually, that Saul and his sons are going to die. Remember, we all, we discussed this last week. So these are all things that we know, but Saul is still king and he no longer possesses the Holy Spirit in him because now the Holy Spirit is in a young shepherd boy named David who has just had a major major victories all around uh, uh, the promised land and also enemy territory. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I'm gonna bring it back from last week's episode. After all of David's victories, the women in town start singing songs. I said this in a previous episode, which by the way, if you haven't listened to the last episode of Bible Stories, make sure you do because it adds context and it'll make the stories make more sense. So the women in town end up singing, Saul has slain thousands, man, and blah, blah, blah. And then they say, David has slain tens of thousands. So at this point, Saul is jealous. Saul is jealous of David because he has suspicions, growing suspicions that David is the next one that Samuel talked about. Samuel told Saul, "There's a, God's already appointed a new guy. So Saul has an inkling that it could be David. So you know what Saul does? He sends David to all these unnecessary battles. Mind you, David is still a young boy, but he is sending him here, here, here. And David is winning every single one. Saul can't get rid of this guy. So you know what Saul's scheming behind does to David? He goes, you know what, David? Why don't you marry one of my daughters? Actually, I got two. Which one do you want? Which is very unusual behavior. And David knows that. David's like, you're just going to give me one of your daughters? You're the king. If, if I marry one of your daughters, that would make me your son-in-law. I, I can't just like take your daughter like that, that easily. And Saul goes, all right then why don't you battle for it? Why don't you go to the Philistines and bring me back 100 foreskin of the men? You heard that right. He said, go on and bring me dick skin, 100 of them. So you know what David does? <laughs> he rolls up with a duffel bag of 200 foreskin pieces. Shut up. So he brings them double. He goes, oh, you want 100? I got you 200. I got you too. Wow. Yep. So David ends up marrying uh, one of King Saul's daughters, Michal. I mean, he earned it for he sure. Did, I think, but I think that's kind of cool that like, this is the kind of energy that I'm into. Okay. Yeah. A man who likes to like hunt what he eats. And that's what David possessed. And David ends up marrying his daughter. So cool. His daughter ends up like falling so madly deeply in love with him. But could you blame her? David was el hombre de la hora, talk of the town. Like he literally chopped off 200 dicks. And she was into it. You know what? I'm a McCall, okay? <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> um, so, but here's the thing. The more that she would grow in like good favor towards him and like in love with him, the more that that would happen, especially with the people, Saul grew more angered by it. To the point where Jonathan, you guys remember, Jonathan is King Saul's son, who has is the one is the son that's mentioned the most in the Bible, who, you know, led the Israelites to many wins himself, Jonathan. Saul tells Jonathan, we need to kill David. Again, outside of throwing spears at David while he's playing the harp. Saul's already been trying to kill David, like mad casual, like, oh my God, I don't know. I'm drunk. Sorry. That's what Saul was doing. So Saul tells his son, Jonathan, we got to kill him. And I don't know if you guys remember from last week, but I'm going to look at the camera, you guys. But Jonathan is faithful to God. And he knows that his father has fallen way too many times. He knows that his father's not of God at the moment. So he's actually riding with David because he knows that David has the Holy Spirit in him. Eso se siente. You can feel that. You see that in someone's um, um, morals and their val and their their like vigor when they when they battle uh, for the Lord. So Jonathan was like, okay, to his dad because he knows his dad is not all the way there. So Jonathan tells David, "Listen, I'm a rock with you. I'm not gonna kill you, but all I, I'm letting you know right now, you gotta run." because Ish is, a, is about to get weird. But let's go to scripture so that you guys have more context. Uh, 1 Samuel 
Chapter 20, verse 42, Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. So Jonathan's basically giving him a heads up, like you gotta get out of here, gotta here. If you stay, you're done, you're dead. So you know that Michal, his wife, also ends up um, uh, helping him ex escape. She puts a little statue in, uh, in um, David's bed so that when Saul and all of his officials come into his room, they think that he's sleeping and he's not, it's just a statue. McCall did that. So many people are riding for David and it's so great to see like uh, them recognize the light from the dark. I think that's kind of dope, right? Mm -hmm. So at this point, David has left. David is now a refugee, okay? He's no longer even in the promised land. He is out in the wilderness for a very long time, escaping Saul's crazed officials and guards trying to hunt him down. So David ends up going to uh, Gath and there he meets the, the priest of Gath. His name was Ahimelech. And at this point he is hungry, needs protection. Like, so he asks him, and this guy knows of, uh, of like a warrior, an Israelite warrior who defeated the Goliath. You know, like they know stories that could be him. So I feel like everyone in this area is kind of like a little more inquisitive. They're not like outright like denying people, which I think this may have been the case between uh, David and the priest Ahimelech at Gad, Gath. And uh, he offers... David bread, but the only thing is, he says, but this bread is typically reserved for priests or reserved for people who have not been taken by women. And we know David was a married man mm. and he tooketh a woman. <laughs> and if there's a pin on this, David was no stranger to women, okay? <gasps> this man knew the women anatomy very well. Stay Ooh. tuned for his story with Bathsheba. That is a hoot. If you know what I'm talking about. He got a mistress? Girl, stay tuned because okay. the story, you are not even going to believe. <laughs> okay. At this point, we have David kind of telling lies a little bit because he says, no, 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 no. I'm good. I haven't been taking anybody to a woman. So he could eat, right? So he could have sustenance. He gets the bread. I think at this point, we see some flaws in David. But like we said, Nothing can thwart God's plans for you if those are his plans for you, no matter what your shortcomings are. And if we think about it, David needed to eat to survive at, at some point. So I think that maybe we're kind of just like, all right, David, do, do what you gotta do. So he also asks, okay, do you have any weapons for me? And Ahimelech goes, yeah, actually, I have the sword that you killed Goliath with. And David goes, that'll do. I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> so at this point, he has everything he needs because of the help from the priest. Thank you, Ahimelech, for helping our boy David out. But what we don't know and what David doesn't know and what the priest Ahimelech doesn't know is that there's someone around the tent of the tabernacle. There's someone around there eavesdropping, listening in on their conversation and it is a man named Doeg, the Edomite. He happens to be Saul's right-hand man. And at this point, Saul has a bunch of people in the area because they are looking for him like Saddam Hussein, like a terrorist. They, he has people hiding in the corners trying to find David, okay? So word gets back to Saul, duh, about where he is. And Saul goes up to Gath because Doeg, loudmouth Doeg, the Edomite, tells Saul. Saul sh strolls up and he goes to uh, um, the area of Gath. And actually, I believe it's called, uh, he goes to the area of Nob uh, in, in Buskeda in search for David. And he finds the priest that helped him out, Ahimelech. And let me tell you something. Saul goes, how could you? 
How could you help my enemy? Are you conspiring against me? And the priest is like, bruh, David legit won battles for your people. What are you talking about? He plays the harp for you. He's a good guy. What are you cooked? What's going on? What's not registering here for you? And then he goes, Saul goes to the priest. Y'all know how sacred and holy priests are. Saul goes, surely you will die. So Saul tells his officials, he goes, all right, boys, kill him and kill all his family too. Yo, you guys, Saul's officials and guardmen, they're so terrified that they go, nah, bro, no, I'm not doing that. No, he is a priest. Uh, you can do, no, no, I don't think so. Sorry. Anything but that. Yeah. We are not doing that because you guys know how, what the, what the punishment would be for that. Like you may puff into a cloud of smoke by the Lord, by the hands of the Lord, if that happens. So they don't do it. And you know what Saul does, what he says, you guys? Saul calls his boy Doeg, the Edomite, to do all of it for him. He goes, yo, Doeg, kill this fool and kill all his family too. And Doeg, being the freaking spineless, the Robin to Batman that he is, he goes and he kills Ahimelech. He kills all of his family. Wow. But he takes it a step further. He kills upwards of 80 people, just Doeg himself. He ends up, whoa, it gets really bad. It gets really bad, guys. Hey, I never said the Bible was kid-friendly. <laughs> um, listen, he ends up, Doeg ends up killing not only the priests and their families. He ends up killing the children, the infants, the wives, what? Everybody. He ends up killing the cattle, the donkeys, everything he kills. What? I know. Dark. Why though? Like, because that's wow. what uh, Saul commanded. Wow. Saul is no bueno at this point, especially. Saul's got blood on his hands. And now Doeg for sure, too. Wow. It's um, like, it reminds me of. Um, you know when people like they just like they know they're losing power and they just holding on to un hierro ardiente they say yes, like that's exactly oh, it at this God, point he knows so he already knows that his time is winding down even if he doesn't say it out loud you can see that his mania is now becoming so much more violent and like unstable you'll see right now some of the things that he does doesn't even make sense mm. like he's desperate it's it's desperate but also like um, like literally mania back and forth, back and forth. And it's ever present here. So David ends up saving mad Israel. While that's happening, David is saving mad Israelites in the process. Like that's how, cause he is a natural born king. So, and it, while he's also struggling for survival, he's doing what the Lord calls, which is getting rid of enemies, which is what Joshua was supposed to do, which is what everyone was supposed to do. He's still doing that. David ends up amassing like a little army of 600 people. He does that, it started with one, him and one sword, and he managed to amass that amount of people. Well, guess what? He's now been in the wilderness, hiding away like a terrorist refugee, uh, hiding away from Saul for such a long time. He knows how to hide. Saul is still out looking for him. He sees Saul hiding in a cave. Actually, it says Saul was relieving himself in the night. And David is in the back and he sees Saul right in front of him. I mean, could you imagine? David could have easily snapped his neck in half. David could have maybe gotten a sling and right in the head. He could have done so much. And all he does is go, Ayo, bro, remember me? And Saul is like startled by it. And do you know what David does? The only thing David does to get him to stop from running away and stuff? David just cuts a little piece of Saul's robe. And he could have done so much. He could have killed Saul there, but David spares Saul. Let's hop into scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 5 to 7. David's heart struck him, his conscience. 
His heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. I'll explain a little bit of this after. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So what he's saying there is, David could have handled business himself, but that wouldn't have been what God wanted him to do. He was already anointed at this point. David has been acting like a king, very king-like. He knows that what God has planned for Saul will be the way, will be what God wills for him. He's not going to act like God himself. And in this interaction, Saul even says, oh my gosh, wait, you are righteous. I already know you're about to be king. Saul is saying this to David, like, thank you for sparing my life. Dave, uh, Saul goes to David, I promise you, I will not hunt you down. That's what Saul says to, to David. Like, I make an oath. Hmm. Yeah, he's crazy. He's lying. He actually, he does. I was going to say, can you really believe him? Though? Well, David did at that point. He believed him. That was the first time. There actually happens to be a second time where they interact and David could have killed him and David doesn't do it. But at that point, David knows that, oh no, this man, está malo. this man, where do you want me to look? Well, <laughs> blooper reel. Now we know Saul and David have an oath. Saul is not going to hunt down David and David is going to go do his own thing. Of course. David has an inkling that Saul is cuckoo. You know what I'm saying? He's not all the way there. So he's going to actually try and keep as, as much distance from Saul as possible. So David ends up going to Philistia, the Philistines, other area, other territory, you know, winning battles, expanding his army. And he approaches uh, an area of Moan. Now, Moan is uh, an area that was known to be very abundant. You know, there was very rich. It was the Beverly Hills of ancient times. And David is pretty much known in the area to, everyone kind of knows David. Let's just put it that way, okay? After that Goliath situation and then the, the dick skin stuff, like people just know who he is, you know what I'm saying? So we meet, we're introduced to uh, two pairs of people, a couple, a husband named Nabal and his wife, Abigail. Now, it was common for David's army to kind of split up sometimes, like 100 here, 200 here. Uh, I think it was a part of his being so strategic with his la uh, land acquisition, et cetera, et cetera. So part of his army go to Nabal, the rich dude from Moan, and they go, hey, man, we're actually with David. We need as much resources as we need as we can get from you, like food, weapons, animals, whatever you can offer us. We could be we'd be so appreciate appreciative. You know, David is uh, he's touched. He's holy. Like he's 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 David. Nabal is so egotistical and so mean. Actually, the name Nabal means fool. If you break it down, yeah. Um, and he goes, absolutely not. Get out of my face. And you know what? You could tell David to suck my D. He doesn't say that, but like, and for like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, guys. I'm just saying the energy was that of David can suck my dick. Like the energy was, I don't care who David is. David who, what? I don't care. So Abigail knows that her husband talked to David's people like that. David's army, go report back to David and say, Hey, so that guy at Moan, he wasn't really, um, he wasn't really on our side. And then he says, and we tells him exactly what they said. David was like, oh no, I'm about to go over there and kill some people. Cause if there's one thing David is, is not a fool. And he's not going to let someone take advantage of him and his people. He's not going to make them uh, uh, look bad. You know what I'm saying? He, he's now had someone demean him in front of his people. David's got to correct that. David's got to rectify that. So David gets his entire army and he is out for blood. He is about to kill Nabal and take everything that he wouldn't give them at first, right? So as he's approaching the land of Moan, guess who shows up in her donkey ahead of him? Abigail. Abigail, Nabal's wife, 
approaches David and is like, hold on, hold on, wait, please, 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 please don't listen to my husband. He is a fool. He does not know what he's talking about. Please, whatever you do, like there does not need to be any bloodshed. Trust me. Let's go to, con um, let's go to the Bible, some scripture for some context. Okay. First uh, Samuel, we've got uh, chapter 25, verses 23 to 25. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear my words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard his worthless fellow Nabal, for his name is so as he is. Nabal is his name and folly is with him, meaning he's a fool. But I, your servant, did not see the men of the Lord whom you sent. Hmm. So David sees a beautiful girl begging and stuff. David's like, all right, girl, get up. It's fine. All right. David tells her, you have no idea what you just did. You just single-handedly you saved like hundreds of people from dying. You saved a ton of blood. Actually, in um, in the text, they say that Abigail, when they describe her as a discerning woman, discernment. And it rarely uses discernment as a descriptor for characters in the Bible, but they used it for Abigail. She was a mediator. She was the United Nations or what they're supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Dark. Wow. I feel like QAnon people would love Bible stories with Brianda. Like we should have a segment like where we just talk about conspiracies. Anyways, that was a high tangent. So David says, you know what, Abigail, I'm going to leave. And I really respect you. I'm never going to forget about you. And then he goes off on his way, whatever. She ends up giving David and his troops everything they need. She doesn't even tell Nabal, of course. She's like, here, just take everything. Go, go. Look. So she goes back to Nabal. And Nabal is a rich drunk. Think about Jeff Bezos with the Coke problem, like... <laughs> Strong, strippers everywhere. And Abigail sees him and she's like, okay, I'm not dealing with this right now. So she waits till the next morning and tells him, okay, Nabal, here's what happened. So I wired money to David. I wired him like $3 million and gave him like a bunch of food and shelter and a house in uh, uh, Ibiza. Because <laughs> of you. <laughs> Anyways, so I did that. And Dude, Nabal is so pissed and shocked. Nabal ends up having like a heart attack then and there. Nabal freezes. He turns into stone. That's how shocked he was. But we know that that was not just some heart attack. That was the Lord intervening. That was the Lord making sure that he wasn't going to abuse her, kill her or something. Mm. That was God's invisible hand making sure that everything was kosher. Hala mazel tov. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Uh, so now Nabal's dead and Abigail is una viuda. She's a widow now. And word gets back to David that Nabal has kicked the bucket. He's gone. And you know what David does? That Casanova. He goes and gets people to ask Abigail if she'll marry him. Major. Yeah. He goes, Abigail, do you want to, do you want to be my wife? And she was like, oh boy, I thought you would never ask. Yes, I will most definitely be your wife. So I know now you're probably wondering, wait, wasn't David already married? I like, was going to say. I've read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so that Saul's daughter, Saul actually ended up giving his daughter away while David was out in the wilderness as a refugee. Saul is such a dick that he gave his daughter away. And David was not happy about that, by the way. David was very mad about that. David could have killed Saul for that alone. Mm. Like, because he loved Michal too. And also David era como un mujeriego. He was like a, I feel like he was very territorial about his women. So um, that's what happened. So he, uh, David didn't have, why well, he only had Abigail now, but he did marry another woman. Um, oh, I have her name here. It's, you know, these biblical names, they got me. Okay, got it. Um, David married Abigail and Ahinoam. Wow. Yeah, I know. I do not yeah. get paid enough to do this show. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I'm of Jezreel. So there you have mm -hmm. it. At this point now, we know that David has two wives. Is that allowed in the Bible? Oh, honey. Wait till we get to Solomon. Okay. 
wait till we get to Solomon. <laughs> that man had like, yeah, like 80 hoes, girl, concubines. Yeah. Yeah, but concubine, like one thing is a mistress, but wife? Oh, hey, but here's the thing. Back then, concubines uh, weren't necessarily side women. Like, okay, think of it this way. Concubines, and by the way, I don't believe that, I don't believe Ahinoam to have been a concubine, but... That being said, concubines are like a second wife to the Lord, to whoever the Lord of the household is. Like there were, oh, there was a hierarchy. There was an order. People knew, but I think that with Mormons and stuff, when they have even in poly relationships, there's something that's known. Like, I mean, I don't want to speak for people in poly, polyamorous relationships or whatever, but from my understanding, there are... There are like, like a, levels, like like. Uh, there's just an unspoken understanding of who is who, mm. like who gets to like if Hugh Hefner, who 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 stands on his right, mm. you know. I, I so I think that biblically in ancient times when you see people have multiple wives, that same thing kind of stands, like mm. there. I thought they were not mean, allowed to marry. No, back then there were, there were a lot of people who had multiple wives. This is ancient times. Mm. And by the way, I don't, we're, so now that we're doing Bible stories, we want to use laws of hermeneutics, right? The third part of laws of hermeneutics, it's how we study the Bible, is uh, understanding that some things are just descriptive, not prescriptive. So okay. meaning this is describing a story of the time. It is, by any means, it does not tell you that is how you should live your life. Okay. Understanding some things are descriptive and others are prescriptive. Okay. Even the King David, who had so many redeemable qualities, also, there he was a part of his time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay, gotcha. If that wasn't clear, you know, I'm just Brianda. Ooh, I don't know. I have all the answers here. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you laugh. <laughs> um, anyways. So at this point, David sees a pattern, like I said, and David is still staying away from Saul as much as possible. And uh, David then takes him, himself, his two wives, 600 of his army, 600 men of his army and their families and lived in the Philistine territory for like two years, or um, I think the exact amount was a year and four months. And throughout this time, if you're living in enemy territory, you gotta play a role. You gotta, you know you're the Hebrew here and you got 600 other people? So David is so king-like though, and we know he's a good liar. He has to kind of have a little ruse going with the king of the Philistines and the people, the lords in the Philistine area. And they do. So they're actually living quite amicably, but only because they believe uh, David is kind of like leaving his land. Like they, they almost think, oh, this guy was trying, this, Saul was killing him. They don't want him. So they believe Saul to, um, they believe David to be a man of high value, a high value man, a high value citizen, high taxpayer. Mm -hmm. But they, they also don't understand that David is King David and will always be in a Hebrew and has one Lord and calls to one Lord. And that there's only one person that is his guide. And that is Yahweh, the Lord. But they don't know that. That's a part of David's ruse. And I think everyone else is in on it too. Even that, there's even a part in the Bible, which I don't have it on my phone, but if you read it, and I hope you guys are reading it, I think it's chapter 20, it happens around chapter 27, where the people, the Philistines go to him and they're like, oh, well, we're about to go uh, kick Israel's butt. Like we're about to go to war and stuff. Like surely our, uh, surely our Lord, something, something, something. David could have easily shot himself in the foot by disregarding the Lord in front of him. That's beyond a lie, that's a sin. You're breaking the commandments by doing that. So actually David doesn't even say anything at all. He was so good at keeping up the ruse. You know what I'm saying? David even, I don't know if I mentioned this before, high tangy, but not high tangy. David, even to an enemy land, David pretended to be like, like crazy, like foaming at the mouth, twitching, crazy, just so that they didn't kill him. I'm telling you, David was not, David, nothing stopped David from survival and executing our father's plan. Whether that meant lying to uh, enemies without them knowing, whether that meant befriending enemies thinking that they were closer than they were, or whether that was 
pretending like he had an agitated psychosis to enemy enemy people. He literally was foaming at the mouth to people. People thought David was crazy. Okay. And they were like, the, the people didn't end up killing David because they were like, oh, this guy's disabled. Oh, I feel bad. Get him oh. away. You know what I'm saying? That's what David <laughs> That's would do. Dav- David was like, David was like Ashton Kutcher in Punked in the early 2000s. That was David. Okay. <laughs> Don't Andy play the harp. This guy was a man of many talents. <laughs> Anyways. Oh my God. My titties are sweating. Oy, coñazo. Are you guys hot? Are you guys having fun? All right, friends. Now, while David's handling his ish with his wives, we can't forget about Saul. And at this point, like I said before, Samuel has passed. Don't ask me how. When it comes to the prophets, they don't get too descriptive. We just know that he passed and all of Israel mourned. Like we said before, Samuel was not only a prophet, he was a judge, he was a protector over the people. He was the man who uh, appointed the first kings of Israel. He was really important and Israel was sad by it. And during this time, I feel like enemy land knew about, or maybe they did, this is me, you know, interpreting. Um, They knew that Israel as a whole was in a pretty delicate, vulnerable state. So, Saul notices that the Philistines are kind of building a campsite outside of the promised land. Saul sees that they're like bringing out weapons and tanks and bomb- like, what's going on over here? So Saul starts to get nervous. He goes to the Lord and he's like, are they about to, are they about to attack? Like what's going on? What do you think happens? Anyone, anyone? Zero, nothing. God doesn't respond because as we know, he doesn't have access to God anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So Saul becomes so uh, um, crazed by his own worries and his own fears that he takes matters into his own hands. He ends up removing all the sinners from the town, from the promised land, including mediums, spiritists, spiritists meaning people who practice dark magic stuff, removing any of the darkness that could possibly be, he removes them all. He basically makes sex work illegal. Sorry, OnlyFans, you're out of here. Saul does all of that trying to correct, you know, but it's really him, you know what I'm saying? But he does anything possible to kind of like make his situation better, right? So. Even though he did this, he still hasn't gotten access to the Lord. So Saul gets his guards to find him a medium to work for him. So Saul disguises himself, puts on glasses, a wig, and a mustache, and approaches the medium in an undisclosed area in the dark, maybe. And she goes, oh, well, look who it is. Saul, the man who affected my bag, the man who rendered me jobless. What do you want? And he was like, listen, listen, I'm sorry about that, but I need you and I'll pay you, I'll pay you handsomely if you help me out. And she goes, I need you to promise me you're not going to kill me. And he goes, I'm not going to kill you. I promise. I need you to do something really important for me. She's like, all right, bet. What do you need? And he says, I need you to bring me Samuel from the dead. What? Mm-hmm. So right now, let me just pause real quick. I think this is worth dissecting a little. This man no longer had access to God. And what do a lot of us do when we have trouble, when we're distracted, when there are obstacles and distractions in our way, disconnecting our, our tunnel, from the, to the Lord, what do we do? We tend to go to the Lord's enemies for remedy. Saul couldn't find his answers with God. There was too much going on. There was too much soot in his heart and his soul. So he went to the Lord's enemy to find answers. Clara? <gasps> I know. Naughty. So the medium goes, all right. I'll bring you Samuel. She knows who Samuel is. She starts getting her crystal ball and does the whole thing, you know? And she has never experienced this level of pain 
She lets out a guttural scream. She says, what have you done to me? She's saying this out loud to Saul. Like, what have you done? This is something I've never experienced. And here we know that once again, God has intervened. And guess what? Samuel is in the room. And Saul goes, okay, woman, tell me, is that, is that Samuel? And she goes, I see an old man with a robe. I go, whatever, I see him, I see him. And she goes to describe him. And Saul says, Saul doesn't even care about her well-being. He wants to get the message. Let's go to scripture for more context. Okay. Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 13 through 15. But we're going to jump to 15, actually. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? <laughs> Samuel's probably tired. Like, I'm dead. Saul, I'm literally dead, and you're still annoying me. <laughs> Anyways, verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? Oh. So during this time with the medium, Samuel also tells Saul what he already knows. You're going to die and your family is too, whatever. But this time, Samuel's so spicy with Saul for disturbing his rest. He goes, oh, and by the way, you and your sons are dying tomorrow. <gasps> Already? Yep, tomorrow. And then he also says, oh, and by the way, the Philistines are gonna win. They're also gonna beat you. Wow. Yep. Actually, ooh, I learned this from one of my favorite Bible podcasts, The Bible Recap. You guys, I love that show. I go to her as a resource. She's incredible. Uh, her name is Tara Lee Cobble. She actually says that in the book, First Chronicles, um, it's confirmed that that was the moment that solidified the fact that God was going to end Saul's life. Wow. It was because he went to a medium. And by the way, Saul has already messed up countless times, but this was the straw, the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back for the Lord. And it's confirmed in First Chronicles. Because you know, when you read the Bible, it's there's so many different storylines, which by the way, during the storyline, not a high tangy, I won't say it's a high tangy, but sort of a high tangy. During the first Samuel, the book of Psalms are being written. So if you, Psalms doesn't show up until way later in the Holy Bible in order. But if you are reading with laws of hermeneutics, you understand that several books are being written at the same time. So actually like Psalm 51, 16, 31, there are all these different Psalms that are being written during the time of David hiding. And the same is, can be confirmed with First Chronicles. Because we don't really know why God picked that time to make his definite decision, but it's confirmed in First Chronicles that that was it. That was it. Resurrecting Samuel from the dead mm. was it for God. He said, okay, now you gotta go. And he ends up going. Okay, listen. So they're preparing for battle. Oh my gosh, guys. We're, we're winding down, y'all, right before moral of the story. But I'll leave you guys with this banger of a story. So war is about to ensue. And the Philistines want Saul's head on a stick. Okay, Saul has killed a lot of Philistine bodies. So they're ready to find him. And find them they do because we already know that that was going to happen. Samuel confirmed it. The first people they kill are Jonathan. The Philistines capture Jonathan and they kill him. Bye, Jonathan. You were good, but <laughs> your daddy and his two brothers, they die. And they basically corner Samuel. And it's just Samuel and his armor bearer. And Sa Saul knows he's about to die. He knows it. But he does not want to die by the hands of an uncircumcised Philistine. So Saul goes to his armor bearer and goes, all right, brother, stab me right here. Go, hit me, kill me. The armor bearer literally can't do it. He's literally like, I can't kill a king. I cannot kill a king, can't do it, no. So Saul grabs his sword and falls on it, kills himself. <gasps> mm-hmm, yeah. And then his armor bearer kills himself right next to him. Oh, 
God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the Philistines end up chopping both of their heads off and okay. end up taking Saul's head like oh they wanted. God. Yep. Mm-hmm. They end up putting it on a statue and everything. A statue that Saul knocked over one time. It's oh. very, you know what, very, uh, just what's the word I'm looking for? The synchronicity of it all. Full circle. <laughs> Anyways, wow, those were a lot of stories. I hope you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed and grabbed your snacks. We're hydrated because we're about to get to moral of the story. Moral of the story is prolonged suffering and lack of faith is the kiss of death, babes. Living in a state of fear is not healthy for anyone's spirit. David ran away from King Saul for a really long time. He was a refugee. In today's episode, exposed some of David's weaknesses during this time, of fleeing a crazed king out for blood, for his blood. The second David started losing a little bit of his faith, The second he thought maybe Saul would get him, that's when he'd start telling lies. Some are even a little unnecessary. A la pretending to be crazy. Hello? Listen, fearing for his life began to take a toll on David. It began to puncture his own confidence. But as we can see in several of the Psalms authored by David during this time, His fears never punctured his confidence in the Lord. He knew that the way the Lord viewed him was far more important than the way he viewed himself. God had a plan for David, and no man could get in the way of that. David knew he had limitless access to the greatest source of strength imaginable, our Lord and Savior. Oh, speaking of the Lord... Hey, Father, how'd it do? Oh, great, but I am so hot. My God, my boobs are sweating. Oh, he loves you. Anyways, yeah, we gotta do something. We gotta talk to Wheezy about an AC in this room because it is hot. See ya, bye.